Although God does specialize and he is the master of the magnificent, he is the master of the awestruckness of things. He is the great God who has done the great things that we see in splendor and creation, but he also specializes in the small, simple things. The things that may not necessarily garner a lot of attention, but he shows that he doesn't have to do something grand to do something great. And isn't it refreshing to know that we have a God who's concerned about the small things in our lives, as well as the big ones too. Pastor Martin wraps up this sermon series, Patience Through Confidence in God, and today's word is trusting in his methods, coming from 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 9 through 15. And let's listen as Pastor Martin explains. Trusting in his methods. We started out the series by working to establish in our minds and our hearts that God is actually trustworthy or worthy of our trust. As we journeyed forward, we recognized that it was important for us to trust him and believe him to be a keeper because one of the things that we'll find that no matter how difficult or challenging something may be, we want to feel safe and secure while we're waiting on him. Then last week, we looked at the fact that it's important for us if we trust, if we recognize that he's trustworthy, and we also accept that he is a keeper, then it is important for us to also trust his timing. Because as we are faced with a challenging situation, it's very similar to a boiling pot. That the longer or the more time that elapsed, bubbles begin to stir and there's some tumultuous things that begin to happen. And ultimately, as that boiling begins to happen, it's difficult for us to still trust that God's time is always on time. Even though he's, he's timeless and he operates outside of time, he created time to help govern us and help us to govern our lives. But he did not create time to govern himself. And though he works with us in time and he engages us, those who are subject to time, he does not subject himself to time because no matter when he shows up, he's on time. So then when we understand now if we trust that he's trustworthy and we, we trust that he is our keeper and that we may not like his timing, but we can trust his timing, then we also then have to trust his methodology. Because when it comes down to it, each one of us will find ourselves faced with wrestling through how he does it. I don't know about you, but I don't just like people to do things for me. I want to know how they're going to do it so I can make sure I can advise them on how to do it. <laughs> I don't care for surprises very often because I want to know. It may not be the good surprise for me. There was a case where uh, there was a pastor's anniversary coming up, and one of the sisters says, hey, pastor, I, you, I love the way you dress. I want to, I'm going to bless you with this suit. I said, Okay. What's your size? I said, well, I was, you know, I was trying to hear her around because, Rondi, I didn't want to just tell her, don't do it. Just get the gift card. <laughs> she went down to Players, <laughs> Players Men's Fashion. 
I don't have to say a word, do I? You already know. Comes back with a bright red Another time a brother said, Pastor, I got these shoes. They were purple with a couple different textures going on. One part of it looked like alligator, the other part looked like snake, and the back was smooth. I took them out, I said, oh, what do we have here? I started to notice that he was watching to see when I was going to preach at him, Sister Glenna. And I knew in my mind and heart, they, those shoes would never make it on stage with me. <laughs> because it's just not me. So the reality is oftentimes because we have preferences and the way we want things done a certain way, that oftentimes we come to God and we impose the same type of expectations on him. But he says, but if I'm trustworthy, if you trust me to be your keeper and you know that I'm always going to be on time, I need you to let me do it the way I do it. The songwriter put it this way, any way you bless me, Lord. I'll be satisfied. But in our society, bigger is better. And right here in Texas, it's often said that go big or you finish it or go home. You have to go big or go home. So we, we have this expectation of things being grand or the more grand or lavish they are, then the right on, then we believe the more accurate they are. However, although God does specialize and he is the master of the magnificent, he is the master of the awestruckness of things. He is the great God who has done the great things that we see in splendor in creation. But we have to also recognize, yes, he does big things, but he also specializes in the small, simple things. The things that may not necessarily garner a lot of attention, but he shows that he doesn't have to do something grand to do something great. Naaman was the highest ranking officer in the Syrian army. So you have to understand that he was actually coming to Elisha because his king had reached out to the king of Israel and said, my highest ranking officer is vexed with leprosy. I hear that there's a man of God that could help him. Would you send word and tell him to help Naaman? The reality that we face is that when we look at the case in point, Naaman came in with some pretty big expectations because he was somebody special. However, from the moment that he arrives, God begins the process of saying, you may not like my method, but you're going to have to trust my method. 
So here's the thing that I want to start. I want to begin with this opening statement. It is simply this. God does not have to fit into our preferred methods of his working in our lives. Just want to get that out there. Because it's important for us to understand that as you are like me, you have your preferences and you have certain ways and things you want things done, that ultimately when we ask God to come in, we have to trust him to do it his way. But far too often, we have our own expectations of how God should do it. We hear testimonies of others, and we see God working it out the same way we saw him do it for them. You heard somebody, I remember growing up, and, and I would always hear this testimony, uh, I needed something, and I looked, checked in the mail, and there was an unexpected check. Boy, me and the mailbox became friends. I was like, wait a minute. What's it? How do, how, we, we need some help over here, God. The mailbox ain't delivering nothing. Because ultimately, that begins the process of our trusts in certain methods rather than to trust the one whom we're calling on no matter the method. Here's the thing that, you, that I hope you're able to admit with me today, that when it comes to trusting God, there are times we may f experience frustrated expectations. You can admit it. You don't have to tell it to me, but there are times that we've been frustrated with how God is doing it. And when we're trusting him, when we're believing it would go a certain way, our expectations get frustrated because we are believing him to do it the way we see it happening in our mind. We can see this, this reality of frustrated expectations in the text. Naaman experiences some frustrated expectations. The first thing to note in verse number nine, look what it says that Elisha doesn't even come out to him. Let's read it. He rides in, Naaman comes in, and you got to understand when, when, the, when the word is recording the fact that he came in with his horses and his chariots, this was a spectacle. He came riding in. He's a big, the biggest man on campus, and he's coming in, and he said, hey, listen, if you're going to bless anybody, if you're going to touch anybody, you need to be touching me. So the Bible says, then Naaman came in, went in with his horses and his chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha, verse 10. But Elisha sent a messenger. He didn't even come to the door. Now, you know, you, come on now, people of God, you know that when you, even if the, when it comes to praying, the pastor, he didn't even pray like he was serious about it. Because you want the pastor to make a deal on you, right? Get the oil out, pastor, slap it on me now. Get it up and oil me up and lay hands on me and father in the name of Jesus. Naaman comes up, and he's expecting for Elisha to get excited that, hey, Naaman's out there. And Elisha sends a messenger. He says, go tell him to wash in the Jordan seven times, and his flesh will be clean and restored to him. 
So the first element of his frustration is, wait a minute, who is this Elisha think he is? That he didn't come out to talk to me. Frustrated expectations. The next thing we see in verse 11, because Naaman saw this thing going a different way than it went. Look at verse 11. When he shows up, he says, Naaman said, but he was furious and he went away angry because he said, indeed I said in myself. That's where we stand when we have our expectation of how God is supposed to work in our lives when we come in and say, here's how I want you to do it, God. Naaman says, I came and I said unto him in myself, surely he will come out to me and stand and call on the name of his God. And watch what he says, and wave his hand over the area. His expectations are frustrated because he had said within himself what he saw this thing, how he saw this thing playing out. And from the point that he arrived, God begins to rearrange it to say, no, 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 no. When you come to me, you have to trust me to do it my way. Otherwise, we become frustrated in our expectations. Do you realize that many times we get angry with one another and we have breaches in our relationship because we have unmet expectations? The opposite person or the other person in the scenario didn't do something we wanted, and sometimes we didn't state it. You know, I came home the other day, I thought my wife was gonna, she said she was doing something, I said, okay, I'm excited. And she went a whole different way with doing it. I was like, well, well, well how, how we, well, um, are, are you still going to? She's like, yeah, I'm doing it. And I'm like, what, 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 what this ain't. Then I was kind of, I was silent on her. I'm like, okay. You okay? I'm fine, fine. Just doing just fine. It's been a long day. <laughs> but really, my expectations were unmet. So in the moment, I'm frustrated because I've got expectations. And if we would be, if we'd acknowledge that sometimes we have not trusted God more because we got frustrated with something else that he never said he was going to do the way we thought he was going to do it. So Naaman has said within himself, surely he's going to come out and talk to me and call on his name of his God and wave his hand over the area. And when that didn't happen, he was frustrated. Then when he said, wait a second, now he's telling me to go down to the Jordan? He said, surely there's some better rivers than that. Surely there's some better places that I can, can go if I'm going to go wash. Frustrated expectations. But that leads me to my first point because, yes, we're going to, experience frustration in our expectations, but we have to always remind ourselves, first point is, it's his ways and his plans. Here's, let's consult Isaiah, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. Here's what Isaiah said. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways 
my ways. Remember, remember Naaman, he going to come out and call on God and rub his hand over, wave his hand over. He says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, when we come to him, we must first come and we must recognize that it's his way and his plans. And you know, we've done it that way. How many wives have told your husband, it's my way or the You find yourself on Lonely, Lonely Avenue and y'all had to come back and figure out that it wasn't the way. <laughs> Husband put his foot down. I'm the king of the castle. Realized the castle was empty, so you can't, <laughs> you, you can't lead if ain't nobody following. <laughs> so what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to do a comparison. Since he said to us, it's his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. And, and I want you to understand that it's his way, his ways and his path, his plans. I want to share with you a couple examples of contradictions or those thoughts of ours that are in contrast to his. All right? So we're going to look at it from this standpoint. I'm going to introduce a his way and then I'm going to introduce our way. Now, I'm doing that intentionally. I'm not going to put ours first because he should always be first, even though I know most times we think of our way first, but I'm going to put it in the context of this message, his way first, and then what our way would be, okay? Let's start out now. Here we go. His way, he tells him to go get clean and dirty water. Our way, we would have said, Lord, give me a bubble bath and fresh filtered water. He said, no, no, uh -uh, wait a minute. Now, you're talking about all dirt, dirt, dirty water. Wait a minute. Because when Naaman, we look at verse, I want to read this again in verse number nine. Naaman went with his horses, and in verse 10, he tells him to go wash seven times in Jordan. Now, it's important to understand Jordan River. The Jordan River, there's a reason why he was insulted by this. Because the Jordan River is not very deep, uh, and it does have a, a fairly... Uh, fast current. It's not really fast where it would just wash you away, but it's fast enough to stir up because it's not so deep. It, it, it draws up soot and dirt. So it stays muddy most times. And then the other thing is that it fe it's fed by some, the, the neighboring plateaus. So, so when there's heavy rain that happens, the water falls on these plateaus and then it, it, it kind of feeds over into the Jordan. The other thing is, is that it has these wadies, which are valleys or, uh, or uh, areas of low space like a ravine where that when, when there's a lot of water and rain, they rush through there. And because it's dry most times, as the water's coming in, it's picking up dirt and bringing it into the Jordan River. So the Jordan is not very deep but it has a pretty fast current, so it, it picks up soot from the bottom, but it's also being fed with more dirt and soot. So imagine when he says, I'm coming to Elisha to get clean, and he picks the dirtiest river around. But see, that's the kind of God we serve because this God we serve says that though your sins be as scarlet, 
I will take you and I will wash you with my red blood and you come out white as snow. See, understand that his ways, his plans would not work the way that we would use it. Because the last thing I would want to put on a blood stain is blood. Here's another one. His way, a still small voice. Our way, shout it out, Lord, I'm trying to hear you now. Holler at you, boy. I can't hear you. I'm, I'm listening, but I can't hear anything. Because we see an example in 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to draw this in because there's a, there's a case in which we see how Elijah was faced with a challenge. And he goes, he, he's off by himself, and he, he, he's seeking the Lord. In verse number 11, this is 1 Kings chapter uh, 19, verse 11 and 12. It says, then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a, a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. That's important to understand. So the wind came. It was a loud, boisterous wind. It struck into the, to the, to the, to the mountain and even broke some of the rocks off, but it said the Lord was not in the wind. Then the earth quaked, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after earthquake, fire came, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after all of that, a still small voice. Because many times when we're trying to trust God's methods, because of the intensity of what we're facing, we believe that he should increase his intensity. How many times have you felt that the prayer didn't make it to heaven because the person didn't say it loud enough? How many times have you had somebody that you were expecting but didn't really dig in, take their shoes off and pray? and a simple prayer because the Bible says not the loud boisterous prayer but the prayer of faith will heal the sick so we see that when, when things are intense and great we look for God to, to make a splash but he says I'm still only coming in a still, small voice. So it behooves us to get quiet before God when trouble is raging. Yes, to step back, because one of the great challenges we face when it comes to difficult times is quieting ourselves enough to just have some time of prayer and devotion with the Lord. We call it being still. And knowing that God is God and he will be exalted in the earth. When I've done all my crying and I've laid out and I've, God, when you going to work? It's only when I slow down, quiet down and listen up that he speaks to my heart. It brings my peace. But you have to understand, I can't talk about this Example of Elijah, not Elisha who we're talking about today, but Elijah, his mentor and predecessor, without talking about the faith crisis that he was experiencing in the moment. 
because I want to make sure you understand this. We talk about trusting God's method, and oftentimes we get frustrated because we, we're trusting his me- we, we, we are trusting him, but his methodology may frustrate us because we got frustrated at some point before we may have had a faith crisis. And here's a note that I want you to take with you today. There are times in trusting God we will experience a faith crisis. In these times, trusting God's methods will reassure us. Because what we have is the scene that we just read for Elijah was right after he had just had a momentous victory. He had stood and he stood against all of the prophets of Baal and he had called down fire from heaven. And the Bible says the fire came down and burned up the sacrifice and licked up the water. So Elijah has this moment, and after all of this great display, Jezebel still says, tomorrow, I'm cutting your head off. And Elijah, after seeing God do a great victory in his life, now he has a faith crisis because his expectation was, after seeing God doing all this, surely Ahab and Jezebel would have figured out that God is with me. And yet she said, yeah, you killed all my prophets. I'm going to get you. So he runs off and he has this time. And he's saying, God, wait a minute. You just did something miraculous. How is it that they still didn't get it? And God takes him to a place to restore him. He shows him the big because he he knows he understands the big. The wind, the earthquake, the fire. And then he says, no matter how tumultuous and great it becomes, I'm still going to only speak in a still small voice. It's important because the greater the situation the louder we think he'll speak, but he'll still speak in the still small voice. Here's another one. His way, our ways. His way is kingdom first, possessions added. Our way, possessions first, kingdom added. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We go pursuing the stuff and try to fit God into plan. He says, no, 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 no. The plan is make me your plan and I'll add the stuff. See, here's how we were. We want to, we say, I got God in my life. God didn't come to be in your life. He came to be your life. Oh, you missed it. See, you got a lot of other stuff in your life. But he came to be the main and primary influence in your life that everything else flows out from him. Not you got to go searching because you know how it is. We got a garage and 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 many times, multiple times we've tried to get this thing straightened out and we go out there, my wife and I spend hours out there and we think we've got got it arranged and go back out there and it's still confusion. (laughs) See, the thing about it is when you just have something in it, it can get cluttered. 
Because the thing we'll put out front, we say, well, make sure we keep the luggage out here in case we need to get to it fast. I go out there, the luggage in the back, and some bikes in front of it, and then we put it over behind the toad. And where's that other suitcase? Because it's just in the garage. But the path that we take to get out of the garage and into the house, we keep that central and cleared. Why? Because we know we need it every day. Here's what I need you to understand. When you understand that God is your source and that he's not just expecting to be a part of your life, he wants to be a central place in your life that no matter what happens, no matter what we put out there in that garage, we don't put nothing in that pan. So he says, my way, kingdom first, possessions second. Our way is possessions first, kingdom added. Here's one more. His way, humility before exaltation. Our way, exaltation without humility. Do you know who I am? Do you know what I do? Do you know where I graduated from? Do you know where I was in my class? Have you visited my practice? But he says, wait a second. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you into due time. The key is due time. Trust his time. You want it all today, but he says, well, just trust me. If you put me first, I'm going to add this stuff to you, but I need you to understand, you got to keep me in the picture. And every time you come to me, I'm going to say humble. Do you know what, what, what derails so many great leaders? As soon as they become popular, they lose humility. Because they look around and say, look at me. And they stop saying, wait a second. Look at him. Here's another one. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do this all day. I'm almost done. We get the picture, Pastor. I know. I just want to get, you, get all, the, all of the, the items in the picture, okay? Here's another one. God's way is go into the fire but not be burned. Our way is, Lord, I don't even want to go into the fire. Because remember the, the three Hebrew boys, they, 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 they declared, hey, we're not going to bow down to anybody but our God. And God says, okay, as Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to put you in the fire. As they were going into the fire, they said, Nebuchadnezzar, oh, king, live forever. Before we go in, just in case God don't bring us out, we wanted to be declared on this side that he is able. And then they said, okay, now take us on in. But here's what happens, because God says, my ways are not your ways. I don't even want to go into the fire. They go into the fire. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar runs up and says, wait a minute, did we not put three in there? But it looks like there's a fourth one, and the fourth one is the Son of God. Wait a minute, you don't know Jesus? How do you recognize Jesus in the fire? Because that's how God does it. And then when they come out, watch this now, they go into the fire, they come out of the fire, and the men that took them out said, 
They don't even smell like smoke. <laughs> See, his way, not our way. We have to trust his methods because his way is always going to be better. Here's the last one. His way is a king comes out of Nazareth. Our way, we want our king to be come from, he come from some good lineage, a good city. What, what, what's that little town he came from? Even when they said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? The best thing that ever came to humanity came out of a place that nobody expected because it's his way and his plans. Second point for the day, I'm almost done. These last two won't take as long. Trusting and trusting his methods, we must heed or we must seek wise counsel. Because again, as you begin to, to trust God and you're waiting or you're trusting him to work something out, oftentimes we go to the wrong sources to get our advice. We start calling folks that don't have no knowledge of scripture, no understanding of how, what it means to submit to the spirit, no, no context of patiently waiting on God. They're like, girl, you better do something. You better do something. But notice in the midst of that, because as another part of that, we also become very closed off. And we're just like, okay, I'm just so focused on what's going on that I'm not listening for God to speak. Look at verse 13, because at this point, remember, uh, by this time, Naaman is frustrated and furious. And his servants come because notice it says the servants come. These are not other high-ranking officers in the military. These are somebody that he could just overlook and not pay attention to. And the servants came and, near, and they said to him, my father. So notice this now. The, the, the source that God uses to come to speak to them, speaks to him, he could have just wrote them off by saying, hey, who are you? What do y'all know? But look what he says. Had, the, had he told you to do something great, would you not have done it? But how much more now that he just told you to go wash and be clean, shouldn't you do that? Because in trusting God, it's always prudent and necessary to make sure you're getting wise counsel. You can't go to the person that you go to get your gossip from. You can't go and try to consult your horoscope Start looking at, what, what, what's my sign? A bad sign. <laughs> you have to go seek wise counsel while you trust the way God went on God. Third and final point for today. It pays to do it God's way. See, because when we talk about trusting his methodology, we may want to, to, be, to go a certain way, but it it only pays off when we do it his way. See, when we do it our way, then we get our results. When we do it his way, we get his results. And I want to point out something about how this works because notice now 
uh, Naaman was a, an adult man. So he came just looking for the leprosy to go. But by doing it the way God told him to do it, look what he got. He got some bonus. So he went down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And the Bible says, and his flesh was restored, wait a minute, like a child. That means his wrinkles was gone too. <laughs> By coming and doing it God's way, he didn't only get rid of the leprosy, he got a restoration of the skin as a whole. See, it pays off to do it God's way because when we get in and try to do it our way, we're going to mess it up. When we trust him to do it, he's going to do it. Here's how he says, I do exceeding abundantly above. You just want the leprosy gone. I'm going to give you childlike skin. Childlike skin. My little, my wife's uh, little niece, Zaria, is in town, and she's, you know, she's a little ball. She's been with us for the last couple of days, and she's running around. And so I went to grab her hand. The little skin was just so soft. I said, boy. <laughs> you bottle this up and sell it, huh? <laughs> the Bible says, Naaman's skin became just like that because it pays to do it God's way. That wraps up another awesome word. If you're in need of prayer, 